This is Robotic Disclosure, the program that reveals everything you want to know about robotic surgery, robotic technology, and how to run a best practice robotic program for your hospital, your surgeons, and your patients. And now, here's your host, Josh Feldstein. You're thinking, robotic surgery? Is this a big deal? Yep. Actually, it's a very big deal. If you're a hospital administrator, if you're a patient, if you're a robotic surgeon, if you're anyone interested in robotic surgery as a professional, or as a consumer, or in the media, or in the insurance industry, or a government policymaker, or you work inside the medical surgical healthcare industry, you're going to want to hear what we have to tell you about robotic surgery, about current and emerging robotic technologies, and how to run a world-class program for your patients, your surgeons, your hospital, and your community. Because robotic surgery is changing surgery as we know it into the 2020s and beyond. This podcast series takes our listeners on a journey into the operating room, the hospital C-suite, the industry boardroom, the surgeon lounge, and more. Our guests are going to tell you what's really driving this booming healthcare innovation, projected to reach 6 to $10 billion annually within the next five years. I'm your host, Josh Feldstein. Our first guest on Robotic Disclosure is Tom Lobotsky. For nine years, Tom served as the chief supply chain officer at one of the largest accountable care hospital systems in the U.S., Advocate Healthcare, now known after its recent merger as Advocate Aurora Health. Before its merger, Advocate had 10 hospitals with robot programs under Tom's watch, with nearly two dozen da Vinci robots doing thousands of robotic cases a year. A big program. Tom ran supply chain operations and value analysis, oversaw procurement, and technology development as well. As you'll hear, Tom is a big strategic thinker who examines robotics top-down and bottom-up inside the hospital. He has a lot to share on the topic of best-practice robotic program management and the future of robotics in hospitals around the world. Great to have you with us today, Tom. Thank you, Josh. I would be very curious as a starting point if you could speak to your perceptions of the challenges that large systems face in developing and managing a robotic program from the perspective of the supply chain officer? Well, first and foremost, um, the challenge of the proliferation of the appetite of doing robotic uh, surgery in across large uh, IDNs is something that really needs to be managed carefully. Um, the variability of performing robotic surgery and the consistency of delivering the very best in the operating room suite from one hospital to the next in a large IDN can indeed vary. And so it's so very, very important to make certain that the the, uh, standards of excellence, uh, including the data capabilities to understand the variability are in place uh, so that a robotic program can be managed very, very well. Uh, Furthermore, I I would um, highly encourage that leadership, central leadership over a robotic program across a large IDN be put in place. 
that provides solid direction, uh, the control over the, the growth and the quality and the safety of delivering a consistent uh, result from uh, uh, every day. And so it, it's, it's uh, with a paramount importance that leadership, both not only physician, but administratively, uh, there's a solid team that is working to advance the, the, the quality and the, and the, of the care related to robotic surgery. That's a wonderful summary. Let me see if we can dig into some of these uh, insights. The, when you talk about variability from hospital to hospital within an IDN, uh, most uh, listeners may not be aware of the fact, especially, for example, consumers, that there is this type of variability. And is there any way for uh, this variability to be smoothed out so that you have best practices that are put in place and that variability begins to disappear. Uh, in your experience, what's the pathway to reducing variability from hospital to hospital within a big system? Yeah. Um, one is uh, really understanding the variability first, right? Um, looking at the data by physician, by procedure, by operating room suite. And I mean that uh, because the support nursing staff and, and all those delivering the care inside the operating room suite are really important in terms of their roles, responsibilities, how they carry it out efficiently as well as effectively. All that's really important. So first, a baseline of understanding what that variability looks like, not only from uh, the resources being used, the outcomes of care, but the labor also involved in the case. You can have the same result, but it might take, you know, maybe let's say 45 more minutes to have, have uh, achieved that. Right. Uh, from a patient perspective, um, that probably doesn't matter as long as they get the same consistent result. But in the days, in this day of age of uh, consumerism where they are more accountable for the, the balance of the bill, those 45 minutes could perhaps be much more expensive. So understanding the baseline and really getting at um, understand the variabilities, number one. Now, having done that, tough decisions around how to smooth out that variability may be operator dependent, i.e. the physician, or it could be related to obviously the setup in the room, uh, the people involved in the case, and those things have to be addressed as well. So variability, not only in measurement of how the operator is performing, but how the entire room is performing is uh, important to understand and then begin to address that. Now, one can make the decisions in, in a large geographic market where an IDN has many hospitals, the, the sensitive decision on where best to perhaps rationalize, where should the performance of a specific procedure be done among which hospitals or eliminate those that perhaps maybe are not performing at the same level today are things that have to be, be done. And that's where third component credentialing comes into play. So using the data to credential, you know, the surgeons properly to perform the surgery, but then maintaining certain standards of excellence around their performance and how well the room is performing are things that are going to have to be addressed in order to smooth out that variability. And that's where leadership, as I said before, comes into play 
where someone, particularly a physician leader and a strong administrative leader, need to really take the reins and really say, hey, we're going to drive out uh, and minimize the, the, the variability that exists among these cases today as best possible. The last thing I'll say is that uh, training and development, so just because there is variability, that doesn't mean you can't maintain where all the surgery is being performed robotically, but you may have to dedicate more time and energy and demands to making sure that the training and development, in this case simulation training, is being perhaps monitored and enhanced and further strengthened so that the standards of care are obviously being achieved. That's a very comprehensive overview, and uh, I think that if, if that type of overview was followed by any institution, they would be on a best practice pathway to a robotic program. Uh, that really sounds uh, excellent. Uh, a key component of everything that you just described, Tom, relates to uh, the evidence to support whether and to what degree uh, the performances are quality performance and efficient performance, a cost-effective performance. How do you address data uh, so that the uh, leadership in an institution has the ability to see the performance data, to see the cost data, to see the the time-based metrics, to see the cost-effective metrics. A lot of institutions struggle with getting that data, and I know that historically, you know, when you were uh, managing uh, these programs, data was a, an ongoing challenge as well. What words uh, do you have uh, around the, the whole data environment today uh, as it applies to uh, managing a good robotic program? Yeah, and so it's, it's essential that you invest time and energy and people to really look at uh, the performance around robotic surgery. And having uh, been engaged in this for quite a while, uh, the granularity of the data being pulled is something that you can't take lightly. Just because you have an EPIC or a Cerner system, don't assume that you've got the granularity of the data that you need in order to really look at performance on an apples-to-apples basis. So that's where you're going to uh, need to get deeper in terms around the capturing of the data in the case itself, because some of that data may not commonly be found in the, in the Epic chart or the Cerner chart. Right. Um, it's going to have to be created and uh, captured at the moment in which the case is being performed. Mm -hmm. And so, so often I can recall the conversations with physicians when we look at performance and in fairness, there wasn't a good comparison from one to the other. And that only leads to frustration and delays in trying to smooth out the variability as we discussed. And so it's, it's, it's really uh, important that everyone agree to what are the, crew, the true data sets that have to be captured mm -hmm. in order to really look at true evidence-based approach around improvement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something that people are going to have to dig in and learn more. And you have partners in this, either uh, third parties like Kava, or uh, you have uh, people uh, from the technology itself, like the DaVinci robot, that can assist and help with the, the capturing and, and use of this data. Well, you talk about data endpoints. This is a, such a, a, an important, important point. Uh, you have to know what 
it is you want to look at in order to assess the quality, cost-effectiveness, efficiency of the program itself. So it sounds like IT and, and, and the data team are really crucial to the overall success of the, the program because this is really, this is the computer system that allows you to do the analytics, that allows you to verify the performance uh, and the management and the quality and the success overall clinically and, and uh, economically. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that it's the investment up front and, the, and, the, and people understanding the purpose and the why. Why do we need this level of engagement? Robotic surgery can be, uh, you know, particularly expensive from an investment viewpoint in the technology and the people and the, you know, the consistent dedication to delivering a consistent level of service inside the operating room suite, that's all very, very expensive. But here's the other question why that's so important. Should procedures be done robotically or should they be done more conventionally or traditionally? And the question of value comes into play here. And what I mean by that is you may get the same result from a really good surgeon performing it in a conventional or traditional way versus one that's doing it robotically. Right. And the question is, well, at what cost? Mm -hmm. What cost are you improving the result uh, using robotic surgery versus conventional? Right. And by the way, it can work in reverse. You get really efficient in robotic surgery, it actually costs less than the conventional way. But without the data and without making the investment in this, these answers to these questions, what's the right way? Do we need to invest in, in conventional versus robotic? How do we get a consistent, deliverable result? All those things are really, really key as part of this program. Well, you've, you've just hit on a, a critical differentiator, and I'd like to drill into this a bit more. When you look at the difference between doing a case robotically on the one hand or laparoscopically or even open on the other, and you look at it from a... Uh, uh, an operator-to-operator -operator basis. In other words, if you look at it at the surgeon level, a given surgeon with a high volume of robotic cases who is very efficient may do the case uh, in a more cost-effective manner than his laparoscopic counterpart. But if you take another laparoscopic surgeon that's very efficient in laparoscopy and you compare that same operator in a robotic procedure, well, that cost-effectiveness is going to drop because the case times, as you were saying, may go longer, the supply usage may go up, and so forth. So if you look at the overall value of, of that uh, operator and that case, robotics doesn't make sense. Data allows the institution to determine which surgeons appropriately should be doing robotic cases and which surgeons should be doing appropriately non-robotic procedures, minimally invasive or open, but in the absence of the data, you don't know. And it also raises the question of training, which you said, uh, and I think is, is fabulous, you talked about sim training, and that's a topic, frankly, that's, that's really uh, given short shrift. Uh, if surgeons have the availability of a, of a simulator and they will, are willing to do this important extra work, outside of the operating room and study the videos and work with mentors to bring their skills up. The question then is, are they aware of what these best practice metrics should be for case times and for supply or reposable use utilization and outcomes? And if they're not, well, then they're just shooting in the dark. But if an institution has the data 
and can give them these guidelines, well, then they can train towards a particular endpoint of performance. What are your thoughts around all that? Yeah, uh, you know, you cannot, the success of a robotics program cannot exist without investment in simulation and training. And it is not a one-shot approach where you bring uh, a new surgeon, let's say, up to standards around performing a specific procedure robotically. It has got to be sustained through the credentialing program that's set up so that the standards are consistently met and use simulation program as a means to continuing to educate and train the really even best surgeons around the advancements, around the techniques, its uses, and applications. So it is, it's got to be part of the infrastructure around a robotics program. Otherwise, uh, you are really uh, uh, running into issues downstream around performance uh, you know, going forward in this area. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. That's such a, a great point you just made. If, if you had a chance, Tom, to talk to uh, a CEO and a CMO of an institution that's just now thinking about stepping into robotics, uh, what advice would you give them uh, in summary to set them in the right direction? Mm. Well, I already mentioned about leadership, you know, and obtaining the right leadership uh, to lead a program. Um, and it is not something that someone can just do, uh, you know, part-time of their day. Uh, it is a commitment if you want to build out seriously robotic capability. And I can't think of a, a single healthcare system today that is not uh, grappling with uh, robotic surgery. I mean, this is just the way that how we do our work today. So leadership is really important and uh, getting the, the right person in place. Now, once you have it in place, I think you got to treat it almost as if it's its own separate little company. Uh, what is the mission? What is the, what is the value that we want to bring? And make certain that people understand the purpose and the reasons of why we are advancing in, the, uh, in you know, robotic surgery inside an IDN. And making sure that people understand the philosophy, the culture that they want to develop, and the approach. The buy-in on that early on is essential so that people understand the vision around basically what is it that you want to accomplish with the advancement of robotic surgery. Uh, and then third, I think, is then layout, as, I, as we've been discussing, the infrastructure for its success, whether it's consistency of training and development through simulation whether it's the data investment around uh, making sure that we continually look at the evidence that suggests what direction or what adjustments need to be made uh, uh, for robotic surgery. And then, of course, all that's got to be tied into uh, the rigor and discipline around uh, solid credentialing so that the performance uh, around this work is uh, sustained. And by the way, I should say that this is not only focused on credentialing of surgeons, but in a way, you want to also make sure that the, the nursing staff and all the surgical ancillary staff associated with this work also have, are meeting the standards uh, around the work that they are performing as well. Fabulous. Thank you so much for that summary, Tom. Any innovations that you'd love to see in robotic surgery? Yeah, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this, uh, and, you know, 
be able to reliably perform the surgery in a consistent fashion, um, the ability to add AI intelligence uh, to the robotic surgery is an interesting element of innovation. I am sure <laughs> there is work being done in this space, uh-huh. but it can only add uh, the uh, assurance that the, the surgical procedure being performed robotically is going to be done as best as possible each and every time. And so using AI intelligence to help provide proper feedback, proper intervention around how the procedure is being performed, I think is an area of focus that I think technology companies might want to center on using what we are talking about, the, the evidence of data, if we have all this data, and what are the patterns, what are the things that AI intelligence can further support in terms of the advancement of this work? That's great. We've been speaking with Tom Lobotsky, former chief supply chain officer at Advocate Healthcare, now known as Advocate Aurora Health. If you have any questions for Tom Lobotsky or would like to share comments with us, we'd love to hear from you at roboticdisclosure at gmail.com. You've been listening to Robotic Disclosure. Robotic Disclosure is produced by Kava Robotics International, helping hospitals create profitable, high-quality, best-practice robotic programs in the U.S. and around the world since 2011. Visit kava-robotics.com.